Hello, welcome to the Valkyrie Cycle Arc One Talk Back. Um, I am Saffron, Saffron Heftigaub, she, her pronouns. I play Stephanie Chaplin. And let's then go in order of how we were. Popcorn, call on somebody. Just call oh, on somebody. Okay. Well, Quinn, you go. Okay. Hi, I'm. Quinn, any pronouns? I play Eden Grace, also any pronouns. Uh, resident Queen in the house. Percy, go. <laughs> uh, hi. Uh, my name is Percival, or Percy, and I play Lucian Astor in the Valkyrie Cycle, and I use he, him pronouns. Go, Casey! <laughs> Hello, Casey Fleming. Uh, they, them, they, she, I don't know. Uh, I play Starfire, she, her, in the Valkyrie Cycle karina i'm karina any pronouns um i play caesar rodriguez reyes in the valkyrie cycle he him pronouns you hear me yeah okay cool um i'm victoria or tor as you all refer to me um <laughs> i play sylvia Estraciante. i use she her pronouns sylvia uses she they pronouns and we've got it have our I think that, yeah, that leaves me. Hello, uh, I am Catherine. I am the master of ceremonies or game master. I honestly kind of prefer game master. Um, master of ceremonies sounds like so two thousand eight, like emo. But um, that's me. I use they them pronouns. Isn't that the that's the vibe of the game two thousand? Right? <laughs> I rebel. I, I I rebel against that. That's also 2008 vibes. Rebelling. Damn, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's it from me. But I think leaves Fabiola. Yeah, so, hi, I'm Fabiola. She, her pronouns. I'm the social media manager. I'm, I'm the one typing the posts out and hitting the button and i'm also friend of the pod <laughs> friend of the pod friend of the pod and you've been listening to episodes as they air um which is exciting because you also can like ask us questions from the perspective of audience members because you are one in some ways yes Although I do have like the slight advantage of having heard of these characters for months and months now. Yeah. But for now, I guess we just hop into questions because we asked our audience, our dear listeners, may, they may be one of you um, for some questions. Okay, so I being the social media person, I compiled the questions in the camera roll and so the first question I might pick is how surprised were you all by others characters and how much did you know ahead of time I can do that one I think or at least part of it um <laughs> I how surprised I was pretty damn surprised by a couple peoples i think that i would say the um the serpentines i had no idea about i i knew nothing <laughs> about 
about either of those characters and i was like oh my god i was just like so pleasantly surprised about how fucking cool they were um as far as like the people who i knew the most about going in very obviously was uh starfire and cassie um when i was like building lucian i i knew i wanted a character who had been was like exes with uh lucian so i was like figuring that out and so i like was talking to various people about that so i knew a little bit but i didn't know a lot of the major plot stuff that has to deal with some of those uh characters but pretty much like everyone except for starfire and cassie i pretty much didn't know that much about like we vaguely talked about like ideas and character concepts and like playlists were shared early on and like so i knew i knew a tad bit about some people but that's about all i knew i think like percival i had a select number of characters that like I knew going into it, going into the show, namely, um, I, I intimately knew about like Caesar and about Cassie as well. Very obviously, since um, Caesar is Eden's best friend and Cassie is uh, Eden's partner. Um, but I loved kind of like I, I kind of almost didn't pay attention to playlists, not because. Like, because I didn't kind of, I didn't want to spoil myself going into the show. And, like, I wanted to meet these characters fresh on episode one. And, obviously, there were things that I couldn't avoid. Um, And uh, I remember, like, thinking already about, like, Eden's relationship with Stephanie uh, in pre-canon and canon and talking with Saffron about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of just loved, like, especially Sylvia was a dark horse for me in that way, like not knowing anything about her, uh, before session one and then meeting her right there felt like I was as if I was in the audience watching all of it fresh from the beginning. I do think it might be helpful um, for us to give the context of like, we have this discord, this, this um, uh, like space where we can all talk to each other and bounce character ideas um, back and forth, which some of us, uh, we, we started doing like, while the Cromwell Chronicles was, we were still playing um, that season. And the characters that became the set of characters for the Valkyrie cycle were at various like levels of um we we had some people had been working on and developing their characters longer than other people had been working and developing their characters and uh so like there had been some like backstory connections like characters had been made um in relation to other characters and then some characters like people made and then being like oh now i'm gonna try to connect them to the other characters that have been established like from my understanding like like you were kind of already saying percy that like 
you made Lucian after knowing about the other werewolves. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was like, I mean, I knew I vaguely wanted to be a werewolf, but I didn't know, know like, how or what kind. And then I remember Casey being like, hey, do you want to be, do you want to, do you want to join my cool little, little team of, of people? And then I got to hear about what that would be like. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's fucking sick. And then, and then, oh God. Oh, and then this tiniest bit that I heard about Karina's character, I immediately then up to Karina's DMs like, hi. Well, that's the that's what I was going to say. One of the things that surprised me was I didn't realize until session one, episode one, going oh, yeah. in that, that Lucian and Caesar were hooking up. Because you I guys had... kept that a secret. Yeah. I knew that fully. I knew that too. Was it just <laughs> Jessica, I think it might have been just Saffron. <laughs> I think so. I think I might announced Karina. We tried, we tried to keep it a secret from everyone, but only yeah. successfully kept it a secret from Saffron. From Saffron. <laughs> <laughs> I remember well, like early yeah. Starfire Rise because Dia and I were talking for a while. Dia actually, I remember a very, very different character like pre-Cassie that you were settled on than I remember getting into the Cassie stuff. And oh, Percy, weren't you almost like gonna play a ghoul? I remember. Oh, oh some, yeah, like, that's the other thing. Oh, yeah. weren't yeah. you gonna play Rain? I was. Well, not Rain. That Rain is a different character I made a while ago. But no, I I was juggling between these two ideas, and honestly, it ended up Lucian was neither of them. My two ideas before I knew that it was like we were supposed to be really mean people was that, that um I was either going to be a uh, a riot girl zombie yeah. like a ghoul I wanted to be a zombie girl who like wanted to eat people's brains and was like in a punk band and like told everyone that she was a zombie but no one really believed her cuz it's not she just wore makeup and then or I wanted to be like a super nerdy werewolf that like no one would believe was a werewolf because he was so lame <laughs> um <laughs> uh just like the like just no one no but like really that kid but but then like uh i remember like listening to the stephanie chaplin playlist being like oh we're doing like mean girl and so that i had to like scrap both ideas and was like well could but like I, I remember like originally damning people being like i don't know i have this idea for a zombie girl but i have a werewolf idea and then the werewolf idea morphed into lucian because I was like, okay, how do I make an asshole? And then I was like, make him from DC. <laughs> and so then that's what happened. But I'm yeah. so glad it did, because I love my boy. Yeah. I would also say, I think the the phrase mean girl season, which is what we were calling the Valkyrie cycle for so long, I think that specifically came from you, Casey, because we were like, we... Did it? Yeah, because we were like, we want to... Was... What was that you we were like oh are you because we always like yeah we maybe like we have characters who are mean but like in the Cromwell Chronicles it was like Orpheus is gonna be the villain and then I was like no but Ren makes him all sweet and saves the day so it was like oh can you play someone who's mean like can we all play mean characters can we, we like can't... actually commit to it yeah like, commit to the bit of being assholes because I couldn't last time so it was like and I was like okay is are we is anyone going to be like the heart of gold who, who, who saves the day in case you were like, well, I have this one character who's a bit mean. 
Well, yeah, I, think- I can't be the heart of gold again. Like I, I remember it kind of being like, oh, well, Casey, are you gonna? And I was like, no, I'm committed. I'm gonna try. I'm working I- on it. And is Starfire still nicer than she should have been? Yes. Is that fine? Yes, we're living yes. this. Well, I think it's great because like seeing that you were committing, like I think I felt like it almost for me, like <laughs> gave me permission to be like, oh yeah, okay. We're doing this. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh, I do also remember like early in Starfire Zone, Starfire and Caesar was gonna be a much more fleshed out relationship. Like I don't think they talk at all in arc one like not not a single not a single time or maybe like once in passing uh but it was it we had plans we had we had thoughts and then i i'm pretty sure at some point karina dm'd me like hey so you know that string that was gonna go to starfire i'm giving it to lucian and i was like oh interesting i'm sure that's not anything gay at all and karina was like i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) big accusations (laughs) i can bring up the dms i can bring up the evidence but i oh oh the other one that i thought was going to be i thought eden and starfire was either going to be a hundred percent antagonistic or oh yeah we had talked about it being antagonistic as well yeah we we were deaf i was definitely ready for that to be more and i remember in episode i think it's episode two Two. with the party where casey you described starfire like looking to eden for like help and like quinn as eden you're like we're surprised Mm -hmm. because and i think that was almost the moment where it was like okay there is a tentative allyship here instead of picking the path and then i think we stayed there but because um yeah there was yeah. there was some you had a string on me because you knew something about the prophecy and mm-hmm. had like looked around and like oh there was, that's gonna come up that that comes is going up. to come up yeah oh was I not supposed to I thought that came up in arc fuck no nope, arc two fuck shit well, it's fine ah uh, you messed up before I inevitably do <laughs> <laughs> um it's chilling I just I, I I really love the way their relationship played out and I love that that was what set us down that path but i definitely remember being a lot more prepared for eden actively trying to sabotage chosen squad things i don't know if eden would have actively sabotaged chosen squad things just because because of like cassie but like eden knew that lucian and starfire both had animosity towards him from the sideways glares that were sent into his direction and i know what you're gonna say Percy about it about all of your Cassian shit going on but like from Eden's perspective like he had no um no qualms with either of the two members other than other than them being standoffish and he didn't know he and he thought it was completely un- unfounded so um I, <laughs> He I saw remember. that as an opportunity to like mend their relationship a little bit. For me, I think I I was, if anything, surprised that Eden wasn't that yeah that Eden what didn't want to go after me more. Yeah. Um. Not because of anything I did. I was like, because I remember the you know f- first episode with the whole with the whole promposal. The thing with with uh Lucian and the cat like Cass Eden being a thing was that I was surprised by it, but I just Lucian was just so like 
sad and like in the dumps about it it wasn't like he was mad at eden because cassie was like so clearly happy that he wasn't gonna like fuck with that so it was just he didn't have anywhere to go so he was just like pouty and like upset and starfire had to deal with it so i was more so it was like less like he was never gonna like go after eden or anything because that would just make like cassie way more upset at him than like he already was so not that he wouldn't have fought with Eden if Eden tried something, but but I think he he was never the one, he was never going to be the one to, like, start shit in that regard. Yeah. I think, honestly, like, also not even just PCs, PCs was, some of the NPCs surprised the fuck out of me, and I didn't expect what they were going to be like or how how they acted. I know we, like... Wait, which NPCs? I was just pleasantly surprised by Cora, and I thought she was really, really wonderful as a character. And it was really cool to have outside friends that wasn't just Chosen Squad for Lucian, and I wasn't expecting that. Also, Luna Hanlon is cool as fuck, and I was not expecting her at all. I didn't know her. Luna Hanlon, my beloved! Wah, that was just... Like, I knew some things, but, like, not not a lot. And it was that, like, her... I will never forget, like, the first party scene with with Luna Hanlon was just like truly fucking epic massive kudos to you Catherine because I was just like she's just such a powerful character and I was just like so pleasantly surprised by by Luna in the design of Sylvia Sylvia was new to the school so I was very happy to just like know nothing about anyone except for Stephanie so the Caesar Lucian thing was also a surprise to me but it was just like very logical because it was like Sylvia would have no idea, but also Sylvia wouldn't care. Yeah. I can't say anything about NPCs. I guess nothing was a surprise to you, Catherine, huh? That is true. Um, literally nothing was a surprise to me because I knew all the secrets and I had everybody's character sheet in a folder, um, including... And I had a, a little document with the uh, NPCs and what they were all like and what all their motivations were um, from the very beginning. So that, uh, and I did this so that if people guessed um, what the plot was, I would stand firm and not change anything that I had planned. Because when people guess the plot, it means that I was doing a good job at foreshadowing. Um, so... I will be intrigued to see what the the reaction is from from a greater wider audience but uh we should yeah. talk about Blackwell. We should talk about Blackwell. Let's talk about Blackwell. <laughs> in this um in this. the physical reaction that all of our faces <laughs> had to that fucking question. <laughs> we all have trauma from that. This is the thing. This is the thing. We, the Blackwell is first mentioned in episode five by Cynthia and it would, it would to audiences, I don't think it's a big deal, but for us, it was a really big deal because of backstory. Way I did not register anything about that. Yeah. It's the audience person in the room and I also <laughs> don't tend to register a lot of like background things. I did not register that. So I was like, why is why is there such a big reaction? But I'm also guessing that it's because of stuff we still haven't seen yet. Was there a question about backstory strings? 
Yes, there was a question about strings. What's up with the extra strings more than art than are just from backstories? So I think that this is something that people would who have not played Monster Hearts would not be familiar with. I think the understanding of the strings dynamic is like explained well enough in how we play the game and how they come up. But the idea of strings um, being these like bits of information or power that you have over people is uh, part of character creation. On each character skins sheet, there are um, there's a little section that says backstory where you specifically pick people that you get strings from and you take strings uh, and you give strings to that are related to your skin. So if you've played Monster Hearts and you're like looking up the character sheets, um, you might be trying to like, oh, well, listening to our, our show, you might be like, oh, like, who who's this? What's this string from? Like, what's this string from? I think honestly, Eden started out with the largest number of strings on um, both PCs and NPCs, largely because um, Eden had a lot of connections, but also like was an influential member of the school. Um, so like, I think I'm I'm looking at it now. I think I had. 10 starting strings because um apart from like the backstory section uh that i had that i had uh three strings on um like three random npcs uh for being in my click which is a move that the queen has um i also uh ha and from the um finding somebody threatening which was uh, Starfire, but through other interactions, um, there was also a string on Caesar that um, Eden had uh, and that we exchanged between us due to them being friends, as well as um, two NPCs that were uh, part of Eden's clique, and I believe three others. Um, yeah, three three other uh, people within the school that Eden kind of had uh, favors on, uh, as well as his sister, Emily. I remember, Catherine, you were like, oh, I see strings as like emotional, like emotional power or something like that, where you were like, if someone could say something to another character that could like hurt them, that is like that should be a string so like even outside of backstories you you were uh allotting strings from that i think yeah i mean uh because it's like hard to well it's i think that strings are like one of the things that it's like a little hard to explain like what they are conceptually to people who've never played the game before and so um like when you think about like these strings between people like oftentimes they're like between people who uh, like haven't spoken before or maybe who like hate each other or like are enemies or something like that and so it's not always a good like a relationship is not always like the best analogy um, and so 
and also like part of the allotting more strings than just like backstory strings was that where the setting is like a small town and a small school with like a 60 person graduating class so like people who'd grown up together who'd been in school together we were starting in like the middle of of the second semester so it kind of like made sense that there would be more than just like the backstory strings like people are tight like tangled up together in like a very small town setting where like that is the norm and so uh one of the things was like as we were coming up with like all these ways that these characters knew each other and had known each other it like only made sense that like these things should be represented with like the in-game uh mechanics uh beyond just like what the game calls for initially so like Stephanie and Caleb had strings on each other because they had been dating for a while and that had nothing to do with like Stephanie's witchiness yeah but I brought up Blackwell well do we want to say it yeah I mean I think that like well okay I'm not gonna so one thing to know about the chosen skin is that um you start with like two besties that are by your side that you like investigate shit together and then you have an enemy the chosen skin like one of its backstory strings fundamentally like shifts how you are meant to play the game which is that the chosen skin and uh brings into the campaign a villain an antagonist a big bad um which is i wouldn't say like it's not it's not in the the main rule book it's not in the core rule book because like it's uh, it very much shifts like the way that that you think about uh the plot of of uh monster hearts which often is very like meandering and like very like socially focused which i think is is wonderful and fun um and and you still like get that when you introduce the chosen but when you introduce the chosen there's like this sense that there is a big plot there's a big villain you're heading for something at the end and so the chosen like backstory question is like uh you have like somebody knows who you are and like wants to hurt you or stop you or something like that and so um i probably could pull it up but i don't have time uh but basically i came up with this idea i had like casey and i chatted a bit about um like what the chosen like meant for starfire like what her like chosenness like was which was that like you know there's a prophecy that starfire is sort of the subject of and so like who is the antagonist and uh i came up with an antagonist and in our session zero i told everybody the name of said antagonist or the last name of said antagonist which was blackwell um so they're out there and they're a bad guy and they want to they're opposed to starfire and nobody knows who they are um but also Blackwell knows who Starfire is that like that is also a very important piece of it is that like they know who Starfire is and like thus want to stop her slash hurt her etc so um yeah there will be more of that in episode six um and yeah that's episode six is where um the Norse mythology comes to the forefront as well 
because um, right now it's kind of just referenced in the title of our series. <laughs> Speaking of Norse mythology, there is a Norse mythology question, which is thoughts on the relationship between real world religion versus North, the Norse mythology lore. Slay. What a question. Um, well, I'll just, I'll preface my quick answer, then pass it off to everyone else. Uh, Cause I also want to hear what you guys have to say about it, but um, I'll preface by saying that I'm a religious studies major um and i'm very interested in religion in fantasy and like uh and and religion in, in the real world and how those two things like interact with each other like the religion that we bring to our fantasy versus like what we take from like fantasy religions etc cetera, etc cetera. um and so when i was thinking about like norse when i was thinking about like the norse roots of the campaign I kind of was just like, okay, I'm taking all of this and I'm going to, uh, if, if you're a big Norse mythology head, I apologize because I am, I'm playing hard, fast, and loose with uh, <laughs> the, the rules. Um, but basically, like, my objective was just uh, these, these things, like, these myths are real in this world. Um and also like real world religion like christianity exists and uh i will not offer any answers about you know the afterlife or god um or or the existence of any of those things but the the these like norse figures like um i think jormungandr is like the one that uh, has been brought up thus far like are real in in the sense that like the myths that happened in the past are like historical fact is there like a real snake holding the world together you know satellite photos aren't picking it up so but that being said it it does exist and like it matters in 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 the same way that like family history and like gen and like things that happened to us in like generations past still affect us today um so uh i think i like to think of it as um there's like two things about about uh religion and like fantasy and in fiction that i think about a lot when i when it comes to like world building um which is that uh which is like rick riordan's um valkyrie from uh the magnus chase chronicles or the the Norse his Norse mythology book series where um, one of the Valkyries is Muslim and she still like keeps her faith and uh, while also like bringing people to Valhalla um, and and uh, it's like a very very much like these things are real and also so is my religion like they're not incompatible with each other and then the other thing is from uh, a Dimension Twenty like talkback where. Uh, I think it was about a crown of candy or something like that, where Allie was like, um, I don't get any certainty in my real life. So why should my character get any certainty in this fiction in like this fiction? So I, I often think that like one of the things I like to capture with when it comes to like religion and in fiction is like this sense of uncertainty. Like there's still even though it's a game and it's not real life, there's still like a certain sense of like uncertainty because i think that that's a, a core truth to like our world and i don't want to exclude 
the exploration of those truths in in a game um and also there are certain things that you have to sort of take on faith and like take as fact which is like that Jormungandr was real at some point in history kind of uh and and these two things aren't incompatible with each other and i'll pass it off to to well specifically i'm gonna call out the catholics in the crowd uh whoa 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 whoa. hey i think you got a great answer (laughs) i don't do i have anything to add i don't know Karina, I was just gonna say, I whenever we talked about like Catholicism in relation to TVC, I always loved what you had to say about it. Like, oh, I don't know, you. all of your thoughts made me very happy because I I feel like we didn't we didn't talk about how both of our boys were were Catholic before, but but then they were, and then it ended up being really relevant. <laughs> to... Yeah, yeah. I I mean, like, I don't know how much it like actually like comes up within like the like meat like on paper like within the podcast but like I did like I do I did think like deeply of like my own personal thoughts like on Catholicism and like sort of injecting that into Caesar it's like your lived experience can't you can't it's it's too much a factor to like take away from what you would be considering for your character and so it's it's just true of the world i don't know i was just making caesar catholic because like that's like my lived truth like as a mexican and then like i i I feel like it became more relevant like with like the existence of lucian i mean you can like you see it in the very first in his fucking intro like he's crazy but i I love him (laughs) Like the Catholic guilt adds a spice. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it. it was I. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I mean, I. De- Lucian for me, the, his religion was like very, very impactful to how I was how I was playing him. Um, I uh, in a similar but different way. I mean, I I was raised very Catholic, but uh like lucian i don't know if it's ever like truly outlined but lucian like uh arthur isn't like super isn't super catholic and like my my family are catholic converts so like i don't come like a long family of catholics and neither did lucian but like something that i was incredibly interested in and was is um in catholicism in general like because i just I'm also a little bit of a nerd about it. Not quite a religious studies major level of nerd, but um, I was, I've just always been so, so interested in like how the juxtaposition of like the decadence and like indulgence versus like repression and how within Catholicism, it sort of not only allows for both, but requires both and how like the sacrament of confession, like in a way like is it shaming you for the things you've done yeah but also at the same time because the sacrament exists it allows you to do whatever fucked up shit you want and then as long as you show up every thursday or whatever and tell father tom hey i want to kill my dad you can still keep thinking about how badly you want to murder him like which is like sort of like the a bit of a crux and a paradox i loved to play with lucian is that he like has so much of this like i can't do this 
I I like, you know, represses his like uh lycanthropy and is like I'm not gonna do it and like represses a lot of his like queerness and all of this stuff, but but at the same time doesn't at all. Like he's he's very queer and very much a werewolf and and so it's it's sort of like that's something that I well, I was always like kept always thinking about and fascinated by is like why do when I was like still practicing was like why do we put so much pressure on all of these things when like how much do they matter if we, they can just be like washed away and so like playing with the pressures of that and like seeing like how does it change if like you you like skip you skip one time or like you know that like, kind of like and like does the world fall apart does your is your soul damned forever and like I don't know and also like not completely viewing it as as a negative thing because I was also another thing that I was like conscious of that I didn't want to be like uh that like ah it's it's just a bad religion on the whole because like that's not a great thing to to do in narratives and I don't like doing that and it's like there's much more nuance to it but all, all of the stuff that I was like that at least for me especially like for the the opening confession scene was was me pulling from literally just my life and the thoughts that like I'd had when I was younger and being like in like this thing where like it's also the confessional booth is like it's someone listening to you and it also made me think about like how you know long long time ago before like therapy existed who who would you go to talk to who like has a moral and like a spiritual obligation not to tell anyone what you just told them priests and so like that like getting the weight off of your soul is another thing and so like with Lucian I really enjoyed playing with the like not only the shame aspect but also the like Father Tom being one of the only people that Lucian like is able to fully tell the truth to and how that's a relief and you can sort of get addicted to that feeling of like completely like not only being cleansed but also like being able to tell someone everything um yeah and that that poor poor man father tom <laughs> having to hear that shit every week dear god but uh no i i it's a it's a subject and like a, a thing i'm i've always been incredibly fascinated by also the aesthetics are so sexy and i deserve to capitalize off of the sexy aestheticism of catholicism if anyone does so i i had a i had a, a great deal of of fun with it and i was really really happy with how it played out and I really like too later not now because it's like arc one how Lucian ends up like responding and talking to various characters about the Norse stuff when it's like brought up and I think it's like I love what you said Catherine it's like so interesting the fact that like there's no explanations given by any characters for like the justification of how Norse gods exist so if your character is religious like Lucian is like they have to deal with it because they have the proof of like you know magic being real but he also like is still a catholic so like those those two things are just like yeah really great and it just makes my narrative brain very happy so i um wanted to at least kind of <laughs> echo karina's point a little bit about how like including um in, in, like making it a part of like a character's backstory that they are a certain religion as like something being important to you just to like have and not necessarily needing to explore that in canon because it wasn't like really established um within the show that Eden is Jewish 
I mean, it's like his um his Magen David is seen uh, around his neck, uh, in his art and all of that, and it's and it's definitely like important to me that she was Jewish, um, because I mean I am as well, but like I I always try to include a little bit of myself into the characters that I make and um even if it's like not explored because Eden's uh personal story is one of like uh first generation immigrants and like that's also uh part of me but uh I kind of just like wanted to have it just to just for it to be there you know just like to relate to this character more and to be able to portray them as best as I possibly could and like they on their own they did grapple with um certain aspects of the uh Norse mythology uh sort of thing in contrast with like their own like with like Jewish mythology and everything like that I know another thing that we talked about a lot was in relation to the prophecy to what degree does people believing it make it true and I thought that that was a really, really, really interesting kind of central perspective on that, that I think, again, comes up more later and is discussed later, but it's absolutely hit kind of from the beginning when it's mentioned. And I don't have anything particularly eloquent to say about it other than I really enjoyed considering it from that perspective, because it wasn't one that I had leaned into a lot, like, you know, to one degree are we enacting this just by virtue of like starfire believing that this is something that has to happen versus it being something that is inevitably and completely going to happen that kind of also leans into uh the presence of multiple truths and just people believing things making it real or at least real to them and that's maybe that's all that matters and i don't know that was an interesting space to explore and be in especially i'm not religious myself so it was i don't know it was neither is starfire so it was interesting to think about it from that perspective and also try to reconcile or maybe not reconcile but think about how religion interacted with more folklore or mythology or prophecy in that sense and i don't know i really liked that to what degree does people believing it make a real thread that we kept coming back to what are the questions we have left we have like three questions left but they're I think they're all pretty light and quick. Okay. So this next one is, what was it like creating the PC and NPC connections slash dynamics? Did the process differ from the chroma particles? Well, basically, um, one thing that I tend to do as as GM is that, uh, especially with Monster Hearts, is that like a lot of times there are a lot of uh, archetypes that get played with because it's a high school show so there's gonna be like the jock the cheerleader um like very smart nerd kid who sells homework answers for money um and and there's gonna be like a lot of like characters like that so uh for when i when i started making npcs like i made a big spreadsheet um and one of the things uh that i did was i made a bunch of npcs which was just with just like names grade um like a pick crew of what they looked like and then a handful of bullet points on like what is their archetype at this school and nothing else so that like i very much encouraged 
players to make their own NPCs, but like if people needed NPCs and like wanted them for X amount of X reason, um, there would be someone there who already like fit the archetype that they could just grab and and turn into something that they needed. So like Caleb Gray started as literally just a name next to a blonde guy on the slideshow and with like the the fucking bullet point like quarterback or something like that was it and all and then just like in discussing like with other people like with with karina and with saffron about like caesar sleeps with like closeted guys and then like uh stephanie is like uh like is the head cheerleader and probably has a boyfriend and so it's like oh okay well I have the character for you. I have a perfect, I like, I've got, I've got him. He's right there. Like, you know, we don't need to come up with anybody new. He's right there. Um, and then uh, also a lot of people gave me a lot, a lot of absolutely wonderful NPCs uh, that I got to play with, um, which also often started as like, here's my concept for this character. And I went, okay, cool. And then I went down a little rabbit hole and came back with like a bunch of paragraphs and uh and a lot of sicko twisted ideas in my head. You can say it. You can say his name. Oh, it's <laughs> <are> the raster. <laughs> sicko fucko. Oh, I, sorry. I don't want to interrupt you, Catherine. If no, you have more no, things you want to say. That was it. No. Okay. Just go just... ahead. We can talk about him. I'm sorry. I'm freaking out. Okay, quite possibly one of my favorite NPCs, even though I fucking hate him so much. Um, but I, I, all I remember because it the spiral spiraled, but 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 what I all I remember like immediately saying to Catherine was that I I want a terrible horrible fucked up father who's like a businessman, who like owns real estate and lives in dc and i was like that's i need i need some sort of fucked up guy the most then... fucked up thing that you that that <laughs> was arthur astor is in episode six so keep it a surprise but the oh, thing that's episode six that's episode okay, six okay, yeah okay all right no I'm, i wasn't gonna talk about that because i knew that was beyond episode yeah. five but there's yeah it's he's particularly fucked and I feel like Catherine and I, the amount, it was sort of just like a dumpster fire that cascaded down a hill with yeah. uh, with a lot of like the specific details. I remember like, this is not a spoiler, but like a paragraph you sent me about like a description of what Arthur Astor did, uh, like after Lucian like turned the first time, like in, in his house that like freaked me out with how horrid he was, but I was just like intrigued even more. And it was just like, it was like I birthed this horrid creature and then I, I watched Catherine just like make it, make it more. And it was really, really cool. <laughs> uh, uh, like it, in my specific like NPC character creation process, the way that I do things, and, and this is sort of a character creation process that I do for all characters, not just NPCs, but typically with NPCs. Is that like I start? I start with their endpoint. Who is this character going to be in the game, and what serve? Like, what role do they serve here? So, like, Arthur Astor is this like fucked up, horrible, like abusive father. Okay, well, what happened to him at every step of his life to get him there? Like, and 
so that like which is i can the understand best way to build that guy but yeah oh my i mean God. <laughs> like he's he's bad and so i was like okay well what is he like why is he like that and and just made him a little backstory and i did that with i mean like a lot of characters i got some fucked up guys from a lot of people <laughs> and some very sweet lovely people as well um yeah i think amber i amber i made so that stephanie could be fucked up yeah she did not deserve that justice for amber justice for amber for real eden was on poor, that train before girl. anyone <laughs> yeah and speaking of npcs the caleb question <laughs> so it's what about caesar made caleb fall for him given that he's kind of mean when he's private does caleb <laughs> have a support group slash friends outside of the pcs who are also kind of mean question mark um and say that thank you <laughs> karina i feel like you're gonna have to answer this yeah, and Clark on the Caleb support yeah, group. What am I answering? <laughs> why are why is he? <laughs> you don't have to answer the question, but you do you have anything to say about Caesar being mean? <laughs> well, okay, here's literally how I was. It, it, my partner asked this question because they do hate my own PC. <laughs> um, <laughs> here was my justification: is that like Caesar's not as mean to Caleb as he was to like say lucian i think he like i mean uh will he's not a will graham can you but will graham moments of, of like he like sort of mirrors more like who he's with like i mean with like lucian like the relationship was like antagonistic like from the beginning and like with caleb like Caleb's like genuinely very sweet. Like I like he wasn't gonna be like awful to him for no reason if they're like hooking up. But I mean, I do think like in private, Caleb would get to see like a more genuine side of Caesar. To to the point of like if if Caesar, I don't think yeah. Again, I don't think Caesar was like mean to Caleb, but I do think that there's an element that Caleb appreciate like understands and appreciates how caesar let his guard down around him and like he understood like what that meant and i think that it's part of like the oh i really care about this person and part of it is like they feel safe around me and um oh god i'm so sorry to the caleb caesar shippers out there <laughs> um but i think I think that like it's more than anything he sort of like just appreciated how how genuine that Caesar could be around him as opposed to like you know how he is uh, with everyone else. And um and and Caleb does have other friends that are not awful to him. You know, he's got a sort of football team full of um uh you know. So he's got besties. I just want to say um on the on the conversation of 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 supporting Caleb, um, I know she's made some decisions, um, but Stephanie Stephanie cares about Caleb. I want that on record. She really cares about him. It's just a really unfortunate timing to say that right after the events of episode. <laughs> yeah, just say that after episode. 
Dude, I had that shit on. I was doing a very specific sound design thing over that, and I had like, oh, like, fifteen seconds of something you were saying looped for a few minutes, just going over and over again. Every time I heard it, I was like, oh, "Sweet Look, fucking Jesus!" I feel bad. Stephanie, Chap- don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. I felt very bad. I, I will say, I can say this behind the scenes back after we recorded episode five, session five. I was like, oh boy, am I the villain? <laughs> am I the villain? <laughs> um, but I love Caleb. Ka- Stephanie loves Caleb and I, Saffron, love Caleb. There are people who are on the support of the supportive support Caleb train. Um, he has fans. I something I also thought was just funny is how Lucian doesn't know shit about the Caleb Caesar thing and is on the is on like, Lucian thinks Caleb's great. <laughs> Lucian's like, there's something I always kept thinking about. Like every time they had scenes, and I know we talked about it like after two and like all this shit of just you like, have an AU. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a separate side thing. I just think Lu- Lucian probably like Lu- Caleb would have been one of like the kind of guy that like before Lucian transferred to Thorn Ridge, who Lucian would have gotten a crush on and then like not said anything about and just like not thought about and i think he different lucian definitely thinks caleb is hot but never would have tried anything because he's like oh he's with stephanie also because he hates himself but but uh it was just like such good like is friends with caleb does is like they're on the track team together and i just think it's like the never completely oblivious just does not never picked up on anything and i just think that that's fucking funny um, the last question is mine. So my question is, what kinds of stories do you wish to see more often or from TTRPG media? That's a great question. I have a strong opinion about this, and that's um, ex- explicitly in-your-face queer ones. Something that, that I I really enjoy. I mean, we talked about it a tad earlier. It was like... Um, the fact that people didn't know that like Lucian and Caesar were hooking up uh until until episode one. I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh like too much and I say that massive air quotes of just like completely in your face. Like gay sex ep one is what I, I just think that like it like a f- I I I have always been someone who is particularly irked by people being like well you don't want to like shove it down people's throats like palatable queerness is not something i've ever been wanted ever and i and i well i like it when it's grotesque and i like it when it's fucked up and i like it when there's blood involved and so it's like that's that's something i've all i just love and i love that we got we got to do it here so like so stories that i care about are like i like ones i like i like i like messy ones so so it was really really fun to to do to do a really, really fucking messy one. And also like stories about um uh like friends and 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 care too. Like that that like the combination of those of those two things, the juxtaposition of like uh the gr- the grotesque and then like the care that comes from like facing terrible horrors. And then a lot with a large helping and sprinkle of like very explicit queerness that's like not intended to make people uncomfortable, but intended to make like homophobic and like queerphobic and transphobic people uncomfortable. 
because fuck you if you are. Yeah, honestly, I want to I want to see more stories like the one that we created within TBC, not like it was in your face queer right from the right from the beginning, but there's also the stories that we needed to tell from the homophobic standpoint as well. Like these are very real um very real issues that people grapple with um still to this day and like there's and like very frequently in media um it's even in queer media it is almost ignored in that way and i feel that like um what we told is important because it shows um even within the context of all this mythology and like uh fantasy nestled within the real world there's still like those real world elements that are apparent and that still exist and that help like ground the story almost and make it a lot more real than a lot of other uh modern uh queer stories i i i also like i i i like messy stories i like uh fucked up and queer stories but i also like stories where things you know we we get we get some hope at the end because i think like some hope and happiness at the end i think is uh ideal ideal for me like i like to say like i like my characters to go through it but also they get through it so i will say i think that's beautiful sorry that's just (laughs) fuck that's gorgeous (laughs) <laughs> I think when we pe- pitched Mean Girls season, Catherine, you were like, yeah, you guys are playing fucked up guys, but I'm rooting for all of them. Like, I think you promised me at least. I was really worried about Stephanie at some points. And you were like, I will, if you want to tell the story where she is okay at the end, we're telling that story. Yeah. I mean, one of the things uh, I... I love toxic and messy people, like especially gay people, but like I really love toxic, fucked up, like relationships, characters. I want it all. That being said, I do think that one of the things, especially when it comes to the TTRPG medium, is that like you can't get the t- like, the same kind of like fucked up like toxicity between pcs that you can get between characters on like shows like house of the dragon or stuff like that because you're all character like you're all friends or you're all players like at a table together and so at a certain point there's like a level of um conflict that gets on that will make playing at the table uncomfortable and so um there's like living that experience like yeah. It's hard to stay in the headspace of someone who's like fucked up emotionally. Yeah. yeah. So I I really like when it comes to like actual play content, I want to see more queer content and I want to see more like queer people existing and in and being like exp- and and like queerness being explored and I also want to see like um stories that center queer people but also aren't about like uh that don't have to be like about queerness in the same way that in in the way that like 
shows like movies like love simon or like shows like heartbreaker or, or heartstopper sorry are like if, if that makes sense um and also like i do think that that when uh when it comes to like playing together in in a campaign in a tabletop role-playing game like there should be still a mess like some kind of hope and like goodness at the end and and most importantly that like at the end of the day everyone at the table is happy and pleased with how their characters endings uh turned out um because i think that that is the most important thing yeah and to kind of add one more additional little i I don't know level to that first of all yeah check off on everything everybody else has already said but I think for me personally, I would also really love to see more Arrow and Ace spec characters represented and characters that are defined not by their relationship status and like that we still really care about and that we still are rooting for and that we still invest as much attention and energy and care into thinking about their relationships and their dynamics uh, as we do characters that have interesting or like strange relationship dynamics. I don't know. That's definitely something I feel is underrepresented in terms of ttrpgs and even queer friendly ttrpgs as a whole that i know i especially as an arrow spec person really like to see more of like siblings get me best friends get me and god i wish that sometimes we could just have characters that those are their things and that's chilling and they don't need to be more than that um i don't know i think about i think about the complexities of arrow and or a spec characters a lot they're, they're in my brain and i i I want them out of my brain too. Uh, so that, and also multi-generational uh, parties. I think we tell a lot of stories of teenagers and young adults uh, because it makes sense. That's a, a big period of change in the world. And like, I mean, who else looks at the world and refuses to believe that it can't change more than like teenagers or young adults. But I would also love to tell that kind of story about uh, older people or much younger people or just of of i don't know a family or just mid- middle-aged adults recovering from other struggles that still hold out hope and still believe that they can save the world and people like that too i'm like similar in the sense of just like i love messy and chaos and i don't know like in my personal life i like stories that are like happy but i in my head don't have happy stories to tell I guess my brain doesn't come up with those I come up with the dark and the murder so <laughs> like those are the stories that I enjoy telling so it's I don't know I I'll just say I think I agree with all of you um I also am very something I always talk about if you know me is I'm very interested in like using the medium to its full advantage and I think the like using TTRPGs to tell your stories um for actual play shows is uh actual play is a medium that's so new and there's so much to explore still I'm really interested to see um like using space and visuals and like in more interesting ways in ttrpg storytelling i really am interested in visual ttrpgs breaking out of like the streaming 
visual format of like GM in the corner and then row in row. I want to see um, APs filmed more like theater. I'm super interested in that. Um, I'm also very interested, which we've done with this story, I think, but I'm very interested in using uh, storytelling with dice and chance to talk about fate and destiny and being able to like, are you locked into a certain path or can you change it? Those are things that I would, that's how I would answer this question specifically. There are definitely stories that I like to tell in like across all mediums, but those are the stories I'm interested specifically for TTRPGs. Okay, yeah. Well, one last thing on the question of like what stories I want to see in actual play content. And I think that um, one one thing that I've really taken away from the last like year in both TDC and in my home games is that, um, which is like crazy, I guess, to like not refer like that TDC like isn't a home game really. Uh, Cause it's like a show, that's so crazy. But um, anyway, one thing that I, I really like in actual play and I want to see more of is using fantasy and fiction um, as like a, a means of escapism, but also of a mean, as a means to like actually interrogate like the structures that uh, are problematic in our world. Like I think that there's a lot of like the classic D&D, like you go and you defeat a bad guy and that's it, like you won. And then, you know, through the way you get a bunch of like character development as they get to know each other and fall in love, blah, blah, blah. But also I think that something that I think we do in TVC and that I want to see more of is that like, it's not just about defeating a bad guy. Like it's not just one thing that fixing will like make the world better. It's about like you and your friends and your families like making taking the steps to like actually change and to make the world like a better place in however that means but uh the the solution is not just like defeating one guy and then you win it is constant it is like constant work it's a constant process that like doesn't end when uh you know you defeat the villain um and i i want to see more like examinations of that i guess and i also just want to see people play more systems i'm tired of dnd does that conclude yeah i mean what's our final do do okay does anyone have one last like like a uh, less than a sentence not less than a sentence like does anyone have a quick thing <laughs> anything any final thoughts Yes, listen to our podcast. It's very good. And uh, live tweet about the show because there are some episodes coming up that I desperately need to see reactions to. Literally. Please. This next oh, arc God, is going to be incredible. Also, thank you for your art. If you, if you, yeah, like, yeah you know, absolutely. Thank you, thank, you, thank you. I'm going to shout out the Mars art from a while ago because, God damn. That was very, very good. I want to say thank you. Thank you. If you're listening to this right now, thank you. Oh my God. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, literally. Um, if you want to leave a review, give us some stars, a follow on Spotify, leave a review on Apple Podcasts that does genuinely like, it's nice to see what people think of our show. Um, but all of the engagement so far has been really um, heartening and yeah i'm excited for people to listen to some more